You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Larry has already beaten me up here because I was going to say I would like to welcome Larry up to the pulpit, but he has already gotten up here. Larry is doing Stickman Ministries, and I have no idea what he's doing. I know I told some of you that he was going to do his baggage thing. No baggage. And he totally threw me a loop, so I apologize to all of you that thought he was going to. But I'm excited for this new message, because I haven't heard it. I liked his last one, and Larry is a phenomenal speaker, and things that he does. So I'm excited. Give Larry a round of applause. Okay, thank you. Uh, first and foremost, the only thing good in me is Jesus Christ, period. If you want to know about my baggage, think of any depravity that you can come up with, and it's in my baggage someplace. That's all there is to it. I am a simple creature. I was born in sin. I've lived in sin most of my life. Sin has power around me that only thing that can save me is the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have any ability to do what I do. I don't have any teaching. I don't have any knowledge. I don't have any great wisdom that puts me in a position where God can use me. But all through the Bible, God takes the lowest of the low and uses them to do great and powerful things because he's the one at work, not me the one at work. Okay, so... With that, I want to talk to you guys today about the simplicity of following Christ or having a relationship with God. Does everybody know that God really, really, really wants to be in communion with you? Nobody's going to talk to me? You guys have going to learn something today. If you don't talk back to me, I'm not going to talk to you. I'll just stand here and look at you. Okay, I like the laughs, and everybody in the back, I'll come back there to you eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, now, now I've lost my train of thought, and I'll probably get run over by it. I, want to tell, I, I do want to talk to you about the simplicity of having a relationship with God. He paid the price with the blood of his own son, so we could do that. God can't even look on me unless I'm drenched and saturated in that blood because I am a simple thing. He can't stand to be around me. But with Jesus covering over my sin, I can have a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. This building is an awesome place. It's been built, I'm a carpenter, it was built well. And it's, it's served a lot of purposes. But this place wasn't created. It was built by guys that are just simple guys. Designed by simple people. And put in place by simple people. And it's maintained by simple people. Because they're people. If you're human, you're a sinner. Sorry. (laughs) But, me too. Uh, God wants that relationship with us. He's made it so simple that all we have to do is believe when we hear. He doesn't think that that can come up from inside of us. 
We can't manufacture our own faith. God pours that out for us and lets us have that dwelling inside of us. We just have to answer to it. I personally believe that everybody, being God's creation, has that little spark of faith inside of them. The world tries to beat us down, take it away from us, and make it so it's not possible for us to deal with that stuff. To deal with the the awesome presence of God. You know, I hear people pray about having the hand of God on something. If God's eyelash fell on you, it would crush you. You'd probably explode, disintegrate, evaporate something. You wouldn't be able to deal with it. I, I, I can't even imagine. I, as far as my mind can go to imagine what God would be like, I still have him inside of a box that sticks inside the universe that's somewhere placed up here in my head. I can't even imagine what it is. But he gives me little bits and pieces. He's given us his word to show us just how powerful he is. But he doesn't show us the, the extent of that. That's for later on. That's for another time. That's a time to come. When he takes us back and makes us one with him in, in heaven. Uh, I am so excited about that. I can't wait to get there, but I'm not in a rush to do that. Um, there was a point in time that I was in a rush to die. I had so many things coming down on me that all, all I could think about was, I can't deal with this, I can't work with this, I can't do these things that are in front of me. And God sent a godly Christian man alongside of me, and I found out that I didn't have to live like that, and I didn't have to feel like that. Um, I am truly converted from what I used to be. I start off by telling you, you can think of all the depravity in the world. I'm unblackmailable, by the way. Well, there isn't anything that I won't tell you about my life. Because what are you going to do to me? <laughs> um, God's forgiven me through Jesus Christ. God's forgiven me. Yeah. Now, the relationship with God, I hear a lot of times people say, you know, well, you know, I'll try the church thing and I'll try that Jesus thing, but man, you got to give up way too much stuff. Have you ever thought that or heard that from somebody else? Answer me. Yes. You have. I have too. Well, you know, I can't go to the bar. I can't drink. I can't smoke. No more cussing. And thing after thing after thing after thing. Those things, we wouldn't even be here had God not allowed that somehow. Evil would not be part of this world. I believe that evil was made is part of our world so we realize that we have a need for a relationship with Christ to get back to God. When I say get back to God, I believe in my heart of hearts, everybody, every creature that was born knows the touch of God. At the instant of conception, boom, God's finger was there. That's why humans walk around with this big hole inside of them. That's why humans walk around with a big hole inside of them. 
trying to shove the booze or women or guys or whatever it is you're trying to shove in there. Money, houses, cars, all that stuff is just stuff that doesn't fill up the hole. It's a longing for the touch of God again. We get bits and pieces of that through the Word. That's the best place to find out about it. That's the best place to get to it, is being in your Bible. When I... I used to tell people that and not be super confident about it because I wasn't in the Word. I read little bits, little pieces here and there. Uh, God changed my, my mind. He changed my thoughts. He changed my actions. And um, because of promises that I'd made that I will read the Word. I will read the Bible. Before I got married the first time, I told this pastor, well, yeah, I'll read the Bible. And I tried for an hour. Well, this is too much. I can't do that. It's too hard. Nobody can read this thing. Um, several different points in my life where God showed up. Uh, you know, if I just read the Bible, maybe this would be better. Some of you guys know a friend of mine named Dave Zock. This guy, when I accepted Christ in 1988, I accepted salvation in Dave Zock's kitchen. And his main message all the time is read the Bible, open the book, read the Word. All the time. That's all I ever hear him say. And he still tells me that, but that's okay. I need that. I need to be reminded. Stay in the Word. That's where I'm going to find my relationship with God. So, all of those times promising to read, I never got around to it. Because I had too many important things to do. I had booze to drink, party to go to, women to abuse, children to ignore. I had all kinds of important stuff to do. Um, and found multiple excuses to stay out of there. But as I came up on my 50th birthday, I thought, you know, I've been telling people to read the Word, and it changes you, and maybe I ought to try that. So, uh, I had real trouble reading. I'm dyslexic, and I have real trouble reading. And uh, But I found a way to do that, a Bible plan in a year. I tried the Bible plan in a year. It was way too confusing for me because you got... Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, and you bounce around through all these things, and I couldn't keep track. So I got a hold of a plan that was a chronological reading, which is a timeline reading of the Bible. Um, I was able to do that, and I finished it two weeks before my 50th birthday, and I thought, man, I did it. I really accomplished something. I really accomplished something. Um... About a month later, I was sitting in uh, my pastor's office, crying, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And he says, you know, where are you at in your reading? I said, oh man, I finished that. And he laughed at me. Come on, laugh at me. You guys got to interact. <laughs> okay, he laughed at me. And I realized that... Well, and he told me, <laughs> you really never get finished. You know? So, I've kept on reading. And um, I'll be 56 here in a little while. I'm on my 15th trip from cover to cover through the Bible. I've read every word out of every Bible that I've opened up 
from cover to cover out loud for the last eight trips through. I'm still dyslexic. I still have learning disabilities, and I still have all these other problems, but the Word of God and saturating myself in there is what's changing me, giving me the ability to talk to people, to be able to come alongside people that are hurting, and do the things that I'm allowed to do. And it's only the Word of God that's changed in my life. The other things have changed because of that. But the only real thing is being in the Word. Now, I'm not telling you to have a relationship with God, you have to be in the Word as much as I am. Because I know multiple pastors that don't read the Bible as often as I do. I do it about two and a half times a year. Uh, does anybody else in here read a Bible in a year? I'm working on it. You're working on it. Work harder. Right. Don't work harder. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And if you try, <laughs> try again. Every day is another chance to try that and to do that. It does change who you are. It changes how you feel. Reading the scripture as a community changes things. If you're a believer or not, the word of God changes you somehow inside. Uh, do a celebrate recovery ministry and when we have our lesson nights, we read through the biblical comparisons to the 12 steps. And I ask the group there to read it out loud because believer or not it changes you there's something soothing about the word uh, they can do tests and monitor you I don't know what they're all called but they can do those things and they've proved just reading the word of God lowers your anxiety level and, rift, and lifts your spirit somehow huh? believer or not so stay in the word be in the word read the word the The one thing, you know, I talk about what we have to give up. What do you have to give up to be a Christian? What do you have to give up to have a relationship with God? The old self. The old flesh. self? Your flesh? Okay. Don't I have to give up my motorcycle? Good, because I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, do I have to give up booze? I have to because I drank myself into alcoholism. If I want to stay sane at all and have any semblance of humanity left in me, I can't drink. I've drank my share and probably half of your share too. <laughs> and maybe some of yours and probably all of yours. So, <laughs> And mine. So now, if you're still drinking, you might think about that. Somebody already drank up your booze. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that's what you get for sitting up front. I'll go back there to you guys in a little bit. I'll catch you. Mm. <clears throat> really, what God wants us to do, He does want us to sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they used to slaughter. That's what priests were. They were butchers. Because they slaughtered animals all day long. They slaughtered animals so blood was to their knees from slaughtering animals, and they had to make, they had to consecrate or sanctify different parts of ground so they could put the fat and the meat that they needed to put burn up in smoke. They had to make bigger places because there was so much sacrifice going on. God 
doesn't really delight in that kind of sacrifice. Blood atonement's been paid for through Jesus Christ. There's always been blood atonement. Noah was the first one that atoned himself. God made atonement for Adam and Eve when he butchered an animal to make skins for them to wear. He's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already taken care of for us. But what he does, what is honoring to God, what is the sacrifice of God, let me see, I'm going to find it. You're going to find it in Psalms 51. Where are you? I had everything marked really good here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, in Psalms 51, 16. Uh, if you delight it, if you delight in sacrifice, or you do not delight in sacrifice, um, otherwise I would give it. Uh, you are not pleased with burnt offering. This is David talking to God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. God wants me broken. He wants my heart to break. He wants my heart to ache. Today I have reason for a heartache that I am so grateful for. I used to get my heart broken by the world. And it put me in a spot where I wanted to die. I get my heart broken by God and it puts me in a spot where I want to live. I want to be alive. I want to be alive in Christ. I want to be alive to share. I want to be alive to give myself up to God. That's the broken heart that He wants. The broken spirit is a spirit of pride. Not that I'd be a timid guy, but that I wouldn't be a prideful guy. If God said, give up your motorcycle, it's gone. It is. If somebody in here says, walked up to me and said, you know, God said you're supposed to give me your motorcycle, I'll give you the keys. You want all the money in my wallet? It's all yours. God sends you to do that, that's fine. If you're coming to take advantage of me, I feel sorry for you. Because your reward's here. And when you reward all of it's here, this is what you get. And, man, look at the big beautiful mansions and big beautiful homes and swimming pools and all of the lush green and all of the great stuff that's on this planet. It's pretty desirable when you're human. But when you're not all human, when you're becoming a spiritual being like we're called to do, those things fade away. They're all going to burn. None of it's going to last. There's short time for pleasure here. And if that's, if that's where, if that's where you want to stay, if that's where you want to be, I really do feel sorry for you. Uh, God's got so much more planned for us. 
But when we give up that sacrifice, we're, God's not asking us to give up our money. He does want us to tithe. That's an opportunity to give to God, to give something back, to show obedience to the Lord. That's just an opportunity to do that. You don't have to pay to be a Christian. If somebody tells you, you can go on the internet and learn how to speak in tongues. I'm going to teach you for $9.95 how to speak in tongues, and you'll be able to do it with the best of them. If I'm speaking in tongues, I don't even know it because I understand what I'm saying. Um, there are people out there that are brazen enough to do that. Huh? Um, I have not gotten the gift of tongues. I don't believe. If I did, like I say, I wouldn't know it because I already understand me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, but that's, that's part of the world trying to take over and make a profit off of God. That happens all the time, day in and day out, all the time. What God really wants for us to give up are the things that he didn't want us to have in the first place. If Adam and Eve had not sinned, we would not know sin. If that first sin wasn't committed, it wouldn't have flooded into the world. We wouldn't know those things. But we would, but now we do know lust, gluttony, greed, Laziness or sloth, wrath, anger, envy, pride. Those are the seven deadly sins. I don't know why they call them the seven deadly sins. I think sin is sin is sin is sin. Just like depravity is depravity. You know? I have a depraved mind because of the things that I allowed into my mind from the time I was a child. They don't leave. They don't go away. God can remove those, but for some reason he hasn't. I give those up to him and deny myself on acting on any of those depravities. That's obedience to God. That's not that hard to do. Obeying the God that loves me so much that he gave up his son is a joy. It's a pleasure to be able to do that. It's not difficult. It's easy. Little kids know how to do that. Because they don't have all the stack of stuff that this 56-year-old man has. Um, They don't have all that stack of things that the world's piled into and onto them. But as you go through and give up these things, those are the real sacrifices to God. When we can lay those down, we open ourselves up for a real relationship in Christ. When we can just try and turn away from those things, we can accept the fact that Christ is real and that he really loves us and that he really cares for us. And it is an awesome thing to know that the God of the universe, in the form of Jesus Christ, Loved me so much that he shed every drop of blood that he had in his body by the sin that's in me that he wants me to give away. That's what killed him. He didn't have to hang on a cross. He did it because he loved me. He did it because he loved you.
If you were the only sinner on this planet, Jesus would have come and died for you right then and there. He would have done that for me. It's hard for me to believe and it's hard for me to fathom. But I'm talking about spiritual things that I do not understand. And there's multiple things that I don't understand. Truth comes from the Word. Everything else is a relative truth. And a relative truth is a lie. Agree or disagree? Some people agree. Do you really not agree and disagree, kind of? There's lots of good truths out there. There are lots of good truths. The truth that I'm going to sit down on this chair... And it's not going to fall over. You know, that's a good truth. Because I get to rest and I get to sit down and take it easy for a little bit. It only supports me for a short period of time as long as I'm sitting on it. As soon as I get off of it, it doesn't support me anymore. There's no more backup from that chair. Now, with the truth in Jesus Christ, I never lose that. Even when I lose heart. Even when something happens to me that makes me feel separated from God. I'm not. He's not the one that moves. He's always the same. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. He's always the same. He didn't move. I did. And it's because I picked back up these sins and I allowed them to take over, have some control. Is that God? Rick, Rick, was that God calling for me? Okay, good. I was going to tell him, just a minute, I'll be there in a little while. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, St. Peter at the Golden Gate. I sure hate to make your wait, but I just got to have another cigarette. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old guy, and the country songs play in my head all the time. So, <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> um, When Christ died for us, when he had the disciples with him, these 12 guys got to follow him around and learn about what he was all about. He got, they got to be, they got to know the touch of God in a human form and got to see how God would act and react to people around him. Did, he, did Jesus do that just so they would see that? Was there a purpose behind it? Or was it just those 12 or however many people followed Jesus? You know, the number 5,000 is probably the biggest number that I heard. It was a congregation of men that were listening to Jesus. Was it just for those 5,000 people? No. No. Who was it for? Everyone. The opportunity to share in Christ's blood. That was for everyone. Ah. To share in somebody's death, to die with them, not a very attractive thing if you ask me, but to die with the Lord or die for the Lord, that's something that's extremely attractive because that's reconciliation back to God. If I have opportunity to share that with somebody else, no matter where I'm at or where I come from, it's a positive opportunity for me. 
I'm going to talk about blind Bartimaeus. You're going to have to tell me your name, Mr. Blind Guy. I'm not politically correct. Tell me your name. Tyler. Tyler. Okay. All right. I thought it was, but I was going to call you Ty, and then I thought, wait a minute. And so, I know. I'm not politically correct. I'll call a blind guy a blind guy because he's blind. It is true. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I want to talk to you about a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus was coming out of Jericho. Jericho should have never been rebuilt. Does everybody know the story how Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down? You want me to sing it for you? I can. <laughs> yes, Seth. <laughs> you're, you're, you're baiting me, aren't you? I'll do it. No, um, but that's the first battle that Israel fought when they crossed the Jordan after being in the desert for 40 years and brought out of Egypt. And that's God's providence for them, showing them that you're going to go in and you're going to win this. They didn't fight anybody. They walked and blew trumpets. And the walls fell down and that city was destroyed. Joshua put a curse on that place and said, do not rebuild this place. If you do, it will be at the loss of your oldest and your youngest. Now, this dude named, named, let me see, I'm going to find him. Was it Seth? No, it wasn't Seth. Let's see, I'll find it. Uh, uh, it's a Neil, Neil, yeah, Neil, something like that, N-E-I-L. What is it? Somebody say it. Neil? Is that Neil? Doesn't look like Neil, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But he decided he's going to rebuild it. And at the cost of his oldest son, he laid that first cornerstone in the foundation. That son died. And when they hung the gates, his youngest son died. That city was cursed. It was a sinful place. It should never have been rebuilt. But Jesus went there. He went into this sinful place. And on his way out was the disciples. And I don't know how many people following him, but it was when huge crowds would follow Jesus from place to place. As he came out of there, there's a blind guy sitting at the wall named Bartimaeus, crying out to Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, hear me. Save me, heal me, do something for me. Please, Jesus, come and answer me. Pay attention to me. Jesus, 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 come over here. And his disciples were infuriated. How dare you bother the master? Shut up. Be quiet. Don't do that. That would have been me. I would have been telling poor old Bartimaeus, shut up, be quiet, don't yell at him. He's got important things to say. We're trying to listen. Shut up. But Jesus turned when he noticed Bartimaeus and said, bring him to me. I would give anything in the world to be the guy that Jesus said that to. Imagine that. Somebody that's blind, useless, reckless, and 
just feeling like they are, have absolutely no value at all to anybody. All they can do is sit at the wall and beg. And you get to be the one to go up and say, come on, Jesus is calling you. Jesus knows your name. He's calling you, Bartimaeus. Come on. Hmm. We all have that opportunity. If you've got Jesus Christ, that you've accepted Jesus Christ, His salvation for your soul, it came into you not for you to keep it there. It came into you for you to share it with Bartimaeus. Or pick the sin. Pick the neighbor. Pick the person across the table from you. Jesus wants that. That's how bad God wants to have a relationship with us. And just by saying the name Jesus, you can change somebody's mind. You can change their heart when they're ready. You can hear the gospel multiple, multiple, multiple times. I did for years and years and years. I accepted salvation in 1988. I did not walk with the Lord. I was still doing drugs, bouncing at the bar, drinking all the time, fighting, doing all the things, that, all the abuse that I did to women, all the uh, neglect that I showed my children, all those things that I was, I was still doing those things, but I was saved. And all that time, it was just for me. Ten years sober, ready to die every day, ready to kill myself every day because my children were in the same position I was in earlier. Addicted to drugs, violence, fornication, all kinds of depravity were all over them and there's nothing I could do to change it because I nothing I did to change myself. Uh, I told you a godly man came beside me. That day I was going to die. And I know exactly where it was that I was going to end my life. And he walked up to me and asked me what I was doing. I told him I was reading. And really I was just trying to get up nerve enough to crash my truck. Um, he shared his faith with me. Not in any real words. But his heart. He walked over to check on me. He's a busy man, a busy contractor with a great business and doing beautiful work. And he walked over just to check on me. Instead of a right turn, I took a left turn and I'm still here. Uh, other events happened, but on my bathroom floor on June the 2nd of 2001, I cried out to Jesus. And said, if you're real, not because you're real, because I have faith, because if you're real, come and live in me and be my Lord. Not just my Savior, but my Lord. Take control of this useless, worthless man. Instead of just allowing me a spot in heaven, use me somehow. Be my Lord. And something changed. Absolutely do not believe that's possible. I hear people say that, and I am very, I question it a lot. 
Because I don't think it happens. But it's my testimony. It's my life. It's what I live. This is God working through me with things I couldn't do for myself. Now, because of that, because of that, I get to share what I've received from Christ with somebody else and they might catch it. I get to share myself, not the gospel, not reading in the Bible. You notice I have trouble finding things in here because I get up here and I can't find what's in there. I'm not doing that. I'm just sharing my faith. I'm coming alongside of people saying, you know, really, somebody really does care. Some days, you might have heard this before, you're just Jesus with skin on in some places. You need to be that. You might be the only Bibles other people ever see. The older I get, the more I realize that because I steep myself in the Word, the Word is more on my tongue. And I'll talk in phrases that are in the Bible, and I'll own the things that are in the Bible for myself. That's the change that God's made in me. That's what I can share with other people. And it's not a struggle. I love talking to people. When I was a bouncer at the bar, I loved slamming people into a wall. That was my favorite thing to do. Give me any reason. Don't give me any reason. If I had enough to drink, you're going against the wall. It's, that was reality. Now, I love looking at somebody and seeing their spirit rise. I get, a, I get a deal with a lot of people that their spirits sunk clear down to their socks. And I can feel that. God's allowed that in me. He's given me discernment where I can see those things. I get to deal with a lot of drug addicts, a lot of people that have been neglected or abused, a lot of people that have the world closing in on them. And they really don't know if there's any hope. And they can, this big, ugly, hippie guy can walk up to him and with a smile on his face after he's just lost a bunch of money or a large contract or whatever has happened in my life and I still have a spirit of joy because I know that God works everything for his good purpose. Not for my good purpose, because my good purpose does not even come close to the glory of God. The very best things that I have in me never come close to Jesus that's in me. So, all I can do when I get to that point of sharing that part of myself is praise God. And when I get to praise God, that lifts my spirit. That reminds me that I am actually who I'm supposed to be. God had a plan for me. He always has. He always has. From before time, God had a plan for me. God has a plan for you. And He has for eternity. He knew your name. He knew how many hairs you are going to have on your head. How many of them fall into the drain every time you take a shower. Um, I'm not counting them anymore because they're multiple. Uh, and so, uh, but that knowledge that God loves me that much, that He's given me that much of Himself, 
and it allowed me just to share little bits and pieces of that with somebody else. If anybody else understands, just one understands a little bit about what God's done for me, there's some hope that God will do that for you. Everybody needs to know there's always hope. As long as air is coming in and out of you, there is always hope. It does not matter where you came from, and it doesn't matter where it doesn't matter where you've been. Think of your deepest pit, your deepest pit of depravity. The people that are older in here, your pit's darker than the ones that are younger in here. But you young people, you have a pit that you've been into too. Christ came there to get you out. He didn't just come there to lift you up and take you out and sit you on the edge. He came there and he died and he filled that pit with his blood so you could be free from that spot and never have to go back there again. Ever. It doesn't mean that the pit didn't leave your mind. It means your soul doesn't live there anymore. Your soul is what God cares about. Your heart is what God cares about. Your bodies, our bodies fall apart. They're reckless. They're blind. They're hurt. Mine hurts all the time because of the things that I did in the past have made me crippled. By the end of the day, I can barely stand up. Well, right now, I'm in pretty good shape. Pretty good. But it's getting worse all the time. And every breath's closer to my last. Yeah, think about that one. <laughs> Are you dying? Yep, every breath is closer to my last. When's your last one coming? <laughs> God knows. Okay. Um, now, I've given you a whole lot of stuff trying to explain how simple it is to be around God. Alex has got presence for everybody in here. The only reason, no, just... You don't have to take your Bible with it. Well, you can if you want to. Give everybody one. Go, you have to do it quickly, kind of. Okay? Who was here last time I was here and talked about the cross? Okay? I'm going to make it a lot easier. Who got to see me strip last time I was here? Joe heard that on the recording. And I told him, I said, I'm going to strip while I'm there. And he said, huh? No, you won't. I did. So now I'm here to make amends. Instead of stripping this time, <laughs> I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to put on clothes instead of taking off clothes. All right. This is big and it's goofy. It's a little odd. But it explains a lot better what I'm trying to help you understand. As Stickman Ministries has been developing... I was telling myself that I don't have a capability to do PowerPoint. I need to do PowerPoint to explain Stickman Ministries. It's going to be so much easier if I can just do PowerPoint. Please, God, help me learn to do PowerPoint. Make me a PowerPoint professional. Let me do this PowerPoint thing. Please, God, please, please, please. And God said, nah, I think you need to be a point of power. A point of power, which led me to the word... When Paul was in Damascus blind for three days, a guy named Ananias of Damascus, God came to Ananias and said, go to Saul and tell him what he must do. And 
Ananias said, Saul is the guy killing my friends and neighbors. He's the one that came here to put us in prison and to kill us. I don't want to go. And God says, no, you need to go. Ananias went. God made him a point of power that cleared away Saul's eyes so he could see what he really needed to do for the Lord. So he was a point of power. They're all over in the Bible. Look for them. They're there everywhere. God calls somebody to do something that they can't do. Immediately, they're a point of power of God. So today, I get to be a point of power for God instead of a power point. Now, what is this? Keep going. What else? It's circle. What else? It's a zero. It's a circle. It's a hole. A target. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, 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 all those, it's all those things. What it represents on me right now is me. This is my spirit. When we go to heaven, there's no more marriage. There's no more male. There's no more female. There's spirit. That's it. So this is my spirit. This is what spirit is. There's this big hole while I'm on this earth. That's God's hole. That's that point where I talked about where we know the touch of God. The power of God made that hole. Made it so we long for that. Okay? Now, this and this, they're my arms, right? And my mama gave me arms, a seven-foot arm span. Guys in the NBA kill to have a seven-foot arm span, and I'm just a carpenter in the middle of Nebraska that's got one. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I love the way God works. <clears throat> he gave me that so I could hug people. That's what I thought. But he also gave me that so I could be animated and I could show people through a little bit of action how much your faith can be seen. When I start out talking, this is a, this is a practice of prayer. Back of my other shirt says, pray like a stick man. This is a practice of prayer. It's humbling yourself. Those are just different postures. You humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Does anybody know what scripture that is? Al, say it. James 4.10. Yeah, James 4.10, yeah. I got seed in the back of the audience there. Anyway, um, that's James 4.10. It's really simple to learn, it's really simple to know, and it's really simple to share. When when these things came to me, it turned into a tattoo on my arm, and I'm convinced that this is my name in heaven. That's how you write my name, I don't know how you say it. Well, if you're texting it on my phone, it's Gotzo's Tog. That's where it is. So you can call me that or, you know, you can call me just about anything. I'm going to answer. I need everybody to stand up, especially the people in the back of the room. Okay? You don't want to? This helps us not to be squeaking in our chairs while we do this. When we were singing, did you guys feel the spirit moving in here when the music was playing? Did you? Did anybody? Yeah. I, or was I the only one? Yes? Let's hear it. 
Yeah, I heard. I felt the spirit of God moving in this place. I was brought to tears a couple of times. I had to go back. My sponsor's the guy in the back of the room that I seated the crowd with. Um, I had to go back and just get some support from him and have him hug me and pray for me because I get so broken that I don't feel like I can stay standing up because God's moving. And every time he moves, I cry. I can't help it. So, I'm going to teach you. I noticed in here, this is a bunch of young people, and I didn't see anybody do this, or this, or this, or this. I saw people singing, and I I saw them praying, or I don't know what was going on in your minds, but I want you to know, in any church, you have permission to move your hands. I was raised... In Nebraska, we went to a Lutheran church when I was a kid, and you didn't look sideways there. You stood in one spot looking straight ahead, and if you just variated a little bit, somebody called you out on it. I don't think anybody call you out on it in here. Or do they? Okay, all right. Joe might, but I doubt it. Here's permission to worship God. And do it with your body. Okay? So, what we're going to do... It just comes to a humble state. That's laying all that stuff down. If I had all the burdens of the world and had them in my hands, I would take my hands to my side. Tyler, you can't get out of this one. You're gonna, I'm going to explain it to you so you get to do it too. Your hands down to your sides and palms out in front of you. There you go. It was me. Um. That's that humble state. Picture, uh, picture the nativity. The three kings came carrying these burdens, these, their gold, their stuff that they were giving down to Christ. That's, they were giving that stuff up. So you're giving that away. You're giving that part of yourself away. When you go from that, you open yourself up to what? You open yourself up to receive the Lord. So take your right arm, raise it up, shoulder height, and straight out away from your body. Not to the side, not in front of you. There you go. There you go. All right. There, I'm in a position where I can receive everything. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. God did not plan for him just to give me, give me, give me. Because if he does, it runs down there and into this hole and got no place to go. That's sad. He's willing to do it. He's willing to do that. Your salvation is sure. He gives it to you freely. You don't have anything else you have to do for that. But God wants to... Oh, is it getting sore? I'm I'm 56. I'm twice your age. Mine's not sore. (laughs) Okay. God wants to pour that stuff into you, and we're going to receive it. So we're receiving this from God. When we do that, if we dump it into a hole, it's useless. It's only good for us. But if we take that hole and turn it into a pipe and make it go through us, then we have made ourselves a conduit of Christ's love. 
How simple is that? Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Don't, no, no, no hitting. All right? And if you don't really love the people next to you, this might change your ways you feel. All right, we're all doing, we're all doing this still. Here we go. <laughs> okay. And if you, have, if you have physical limitations, you can do it like this. I don't know. But I, it's more fun this way. It's more fun this way. And you get to know people this way, too, because you never know who you're going to be slapping in the face. Eh? Well, you got to stop that. Did you ever find the parrot? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, that's a kind of an inside joke. When we can do this, we are that conduit Christ love. We're called to be that because he did not make us just to be an empty hole or just to be a hole to shove stuff in. He made us to share that out. So our spirit's sharing that out. And when we get an opportunity to share what God's doing for us, what happens? I just told you all. <gasps> we can praise God. And with my arms in the air praising God, I'm pouring out everything I have. All my love is going up to God, and I'm giving Him every little tiny bit of it. I want to reach to heaven and touch God. When I get to do that, God's told me, try and outgive me. See how much more I can love you than you can love me. I loved you before you were born. Before your parents were even thought of. You were on my heart and in my mind. You're loving me and I'm loving you back. God's powerful love turns this megaphone from us into what? What else would this be if it's upside down and stuff getting poured into it? A funnel, that's right. So my megaphone turned into a funnel for God's love. His love starts pouring back into me and right back into the place. There's nothing left of me anymore. I have to give that up. I'm back to my humble state. That's a way to pray like a stick man. Now, real quick. The band's going to get ready to play, so you guys are excused to walk over there and make me. James 4.10. Anybody show me how to do James 4.10 just using your arms. Yeah! Yeah! All right, remember, humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Try it again. Everybody with me? Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. One more time. Say it everybody together. Before the Lord. You all know James 4.10. You can, sh- you can share your faith without sharing the gospel. And people will know who you belong to. You will be a point of power for God if you just remember that. What a blessing. What a honor that is to do. God changes our lives because we're obedient. God loves us because He loves us. Nothing else. Nothing else. On these pencils that you have, part of my message is about the elementary 
how easy and how elementary it is to have a relationship with God. On these pencils, you'll see these little symbols. People will ask you about that. It says faith, hope, and love. How much faith does it take to give up everything to God? A lot. More than I have. It had to come from Him. So that's faith. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. And Christ alone is where our hope is found. When we have that, the greatest of all things that God has for us is love. can share your faith and do it boldly. Thank you. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.